Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hope you're having a great day today. It's great to see everybody back from the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. I'm so thankful the Lord answered the prayer for traveling mercies for everybody. So it's great to be back. Great, great group today. I want to do the um, words of encouragement real quick. And if you have an extra one you want to sneak up here with it, that'd be great. This one is for Mr. Jake. Thank you for speaking God's word, Braxton. All right. Thanks, Braxton. That's awesome. All right. Here we go. Jake, your message is awesome. Ty. Wow. I think there might be a theme going on here. There is a theme going on. Jacob, wow, that was an awesome prayer meditation. Inspired me to ask God for the impossible. The Oregon legislature stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Great job, Eric, on your Lord's Supper sermon. I so appreciate your powerful perspective on this Old Testament passage. Super encouraging. That was great. Thanks, Eric. That was awesome. Uh, let's see, Tony, it is so great to see you in assembly this morning. Your smile is contagious. That's a good one. All right. Andrew, your song choices for Bible class were a blessing to me. I enjoy singing some of the old favorites. Thanks for preparing us for worshiping the Lord through song. And I can say amen to that one. You know, the scripture teaches that we are to teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so it's great when you have someone that, that, that knows that and is able to powerfully hammer point at home. Uh, it was pretty obvious, prayer, 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 we need to pray. So thanks, Andrew. That hammered me a little bit. Uh, Jeff Trillinger, thank you for a challenging and encouraging Bible class. I'm gonna say, man, you scared me when you started. <laughs> wow. And all the kids were going, oh, we couldn't hear the video or nothing. Man, you were loud. Yeah. Was it were you in front of this when you're doing that? Because I'm watching that one, man. I'm gonna watch that one. It's great. Yeah. I admire the fact that your life is an example of love and service and yelling in the pulpit. No, I added that one. Sorry. So there you go. That was great. So real quick, uh, Sunday evening is going to be at Tamara's place tonight, and uh, we meet at 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings. Monday, we're going to have Monday night uh, dinner and study. We're going to continue to work on the Dead Sea Scrolls study. Uh, Wednesday evening at uh, Tamara's house, once again, continuing our, our expository series in the book of Hebrews, moving on to chapter 2 miraculously only after four weeks. Uh, Thursday, lady study is ongoing. Okay, excellent. Uh, Pleasant Hill Church of Christ Christmas dinner is Wednesday, December 15th, starting at 6 p.m. We're going to have dinner, and uh, we're going to have some entertainment, and then uh, we're going to do our Christmas lesson, very short, choo-choo in Russian, and uh, then we're going to have uh, uh, some gift-giving stuff going on, and then we're going to have our white elephant gift-giving uh, fun time, so... We're going to mix it all up on Wednesday uh, at the 15th of December. 6 p.m. is when we're going to start. Potluck style. I'll pass around the clipboard if you want to participate in bringing some good eats. That would be great. College Age Christmas Party. Friday, December 17th, 6 p.m. Compton House. And uh, again, bring a white elephant gift. 
and probably we're not going to do this Dead Sea Scrolls thing that night. Uh, it gets a little wild, so we need time to clean up our house afterwards, so just kidding. So anyway, call a date. Please show up if you would like with a white elephant gift. Not a white elephant, nor pink, but a white elephant gift. That would be great. All right, any others? Wow, we're talking party central here at the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ, amen? <laughs> okay, there we go. Any other announcements? Yes? Oh, thank you, Jeff. Jeff's such a great guy. Not only does he pound the pulpit and yell and scare the preacher, he uh, also reminds the preacher. So next week when you show up, you're going to find something different out on the front table. You're going to find the bulletins that give you all the who, where, what, why, and when of Life in the Pleasant Hill Church Christ. This will not be included inside. This will be separate. So if you want to grab one of these per family, that would be great. Depending on the age and the desire to follow along with the study, you can grab this. If you don't want to grab that, that's cool. If you don't want to grab this, that's cool. If you just want to come and listen, I'm however you do it, I'm good. Oh, and by the way, uh, I, I gave out all of my uh, little words of encouragement. That's going to be separate too. So you get to have a smorgasbord. We're not forcing you to feel guilty every time that you're not filling out the purple slips. We're not going to make you feel guilty that when we clean up the building, we find a bunch of these. We just want people that want them to have them, people who, who need them to have them. And so there you go. You get to choose. I'm giving you the power. Isn't that interesting? Yes, Jeff. So the uh, main thing is um, sometimes we have a lot of people on Sundays, sometimes not so much, but um, we print up so many, and so we'd ask, like, uh, the bulletin, just grab one per family, you know, not each and every person in the family grab one, because it's like, um, y'all can sit there and look at it, and it's not, uh, we're not having to print a whole bunch of different ones, but then everybody gets something, so you can be cognizant of that. A good example would be my family. We have five adults in that family. And so if we all got a bulletin, that's going to decimate, you know, a quarter of the bulletins out there. So anyway, so you can get the, you can get the lesson plan if you want it without the bulletin. So there you go. All right, moving right along. Grab your Bibles. Oh, is anybody being born this, this come, or birthday this coming week? Who are you pointing at? She did it on purpose? Okay, well, next week. Here we go. Don't remind me. Remind me next week. Yeah. How many knew that Desi's birthday is December 2nd? How many remember Desi when she was a little girl? Do you remember she started in, in 
November telling us that her birthday was in December 2nd. Oh, January. Well, yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, all right. Anyway, so I'll tell that story once again. Please grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy and chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now, many of you know Timothy very well. Some of this will be reviewed. I think some of it might be new to you as I was going back and working through this amazing man of God. Some of you might not think that he suffered very much, that, you know, he just kind of slid right through. Uh, the reality is that, that is not the case. In fact, he suffered, I think, as much as the Apostle Paul did. And you'll see why this morning. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to begin there in verse 1. And as the lesson plan says, we're going to read through verse 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and, and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and, and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermonides. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onithorus and he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. Let's pray. Father, we don't see the list of terrible things that happened to Timothy as we can look very quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and find. We don't see the imprisonment of, of Timothy like we oftentimes see the Apostle Paul being imprisoned. Uh, we don't see uh, the, the horrors of false brethren ripping and tearing Timothy apart as we do with the Apostle Paul. But Father, all those things happened to Timothy. And I pray that we would recognize and understand that though Paul was an A-type personality built and designed 
to be a bulldozer in that time. Uh, Timothy was a very gentle, kind, uh, deeply concerned, uh, emotional man. There's nothing wrong with that kind of man, but that's not the man that we would normally think would be a man that you would put on the front lines, knowing that he would be sliced and diced by the devil through false brethren, through those who were opposed to the gospel in the pagan world. And yet that's exactly what happened to Timothy. And yet he was a man among men. He was truly the model of a, a man devoted to serving Christ Jesus. And I pray that we would recognize he was a man with every kind of excuse that you can think of for not being a great servant in your kingdom. And yet, Father, he gave himself fully, devoted fully to preaching and teaching the gospel and straightening out those who were law-minded and those who were licentious. Father, help us to realize that though he was not a man as we would consider an evangelist, a great leader in your church, he was such a man. And so we are without excuse. So thankful for his example. I pray that you would help us to see it, each one of us this morning, how we can excel still more and more and be men and women who will stand when things get very challenging and difficult. I pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's easy to make excuses for things where you find yourself frail. I get it. I really do. There are things in my life that are huge frailties, weaknesses. And some of you know what those are. I could use those as a crutch. Many people oftentimes do use those things as a crutch. But we can't. Because the spirit within us powerfully works to use our strengths to serve the Lord Jesus. You were created in the image of God. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 139 and verse 13, he gave you your personhood. And that personhood has amazing strengths of character, amazing strengths and talents and abilities. But with a person that has very strong personality strengths and giftedness that oftentimes mean they're weak in some areas. Those guys and gals that are A-type personalities and they can kick in the door and they can snatch people and rescue them out of the fire, oftentimes do that and they do that with not necessarily a heart of compassion. It's my job. And I think firefighters are a great example of that. As are police officers, they get the job done. And those who seem to be more emotional, more compassionate, we think, well, now that's a weakness. Actually, that's a huge strength if you look at it and use it as God's design. The first point this morning is, is that Timothy had a whole bunch of potential to make excuses for not being a man, being on the front line and taking the shots that he did. We're going to find out what happened to him in point number two, the challenges and trials. I mean, he could have defaulted back to what was my dad's fault. You know what? I could do that too, but I won't. Many of us could. Dad's fault. Don't use that as an excuse. You are a free agent, free will. You make the choice. You live for Jesus Christ. You know, ladies, you could probably do the same thing. My mom wasn't there for me. Well, you know what? 
That might be true, but my dad wasn't there for me, and yet you don't make an excuse. You power up and use the strength that God has given you. If you have weaknesses, find someone that you trust, that you can rely upon them to help you in that area. You know what? Mrs. Parks is a wonderful lady, and she knows that I have some weaknesses. She knows them, but she doesn't go, you know, I sure wish you would figure it out. She never does that. She comes alongside and she just gently says, oh, by the way, I just wanted to remind you. Or she'll just take care of it so that I look good when in fact it would have been a disaster if I didn't do it. You know, my wife is that way too. It's wonderful. Two sweet sisters in Christ. You see, you need to recognize and understand you have great power and ability in Christ. Don't dwell on your weaknesses. Find someone that can help you in those and you excel still more and more in the blessings that God has given you. Amen? All right, now let's move on. Point number one, Timothy, the man with all sorts of potential excuses. His family dynamic. Turn to the book of Acts in chapter 16. Acts in chapter 16. It really burns my bacon, and I don't mind saying it for the whole world to know. It burns my bacon when counselors say, well, the reason you're all screwed up is because your dad was screwed up. That makes me hot. You know what? Dads have a powerful influence in our lives, but that doesn't mean we have to be damaged by their poor choices. We are free agents. Now take a look at this. Acts chapter, what was in Proverbs? Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. You know, Timothy could have used that excuse very, very easily, but he chose not to. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra after he had all those terrible uh, situations happen to him in uh, Lystra and Iconium uh, and Antioch. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, a Christian named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. A house divided. I'll tell you what, that's a great excuse for not manning up and performing when God calls. I, was like, I came out of a house divided. You know, my family was really kind of messed up. You know, I didn't know which way to go. He had not been circumcised. His mom and his grandma were Jewish ladies. He was not circumcised. And yet he was serving in the churches there. And so as a Christian, you know, physical circumcision is inconsequential. In fact, to, to God, it's inconsequential. And he was serving well, but... He was not circumcised. Was his dad kind of influential in that? I don't know. You know, the Jewish folks demand that you're circumcised. And so, huh, it sounds like there might have been a house divided just by that one, that one truth. Because later on it says that they took him, Paul took him and said, hey, look, we're going to be going into towns where there's lots of Jewish folks, and I like to start with the Jewish folks first and then work out from there. That was his M.O., so it'd be kind of weird if people found out you weren't circumcised. They would not They would shut us down. They wouldn't listen to us. So Timothy voluntarily was willing to take care of business. All right? So anyway, I'm not going to go any further on that one. You just need to know he's willing to make some sacrifices that were painful right up front in being called into the ministry. Well, he didn't make excuses. By the way, take go back with to me to 2 Timothy and... And another thing I want to kind of get a soapbox about, I might get on my soapbox a lot today. Let me do that, would you? And I'll try to be brief. 
It really bugs me when we have to be like John Wayne to be really amazing leaders. You know what? I don't feel a thing. Shoot me 20 times and I'll still get her done. And I won't shed a tear when my wife and my kids and my dog dies. Well, maybe my dog. But I won't because I'm like John Wayne. I hate that image. That's what a real man is. That is a carnal picture. Jesus is the picture of a real man. Jesus wept more than once. Jesus cried for people's pain more than once. Jesus was moved when someone was abused by the devil over and over and over again, and he was compassionate and gentle and kind. That's the measure of a real man, brethren. Oh, and by the way, you can get crucified and still not cry, but you can cry when someone is brutalized by the devil. Weeping over Eugene? Well, he wept over Jerusalem because how the devil had messed up the people in Jerusalem. Do you see, brethren, that when we look at this Timothy, he says here in verse 4, Paul says, I long to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. Well, he's so emotional, he shouldn't be a guy that's going to kick in the doors and take care of the hard job. He'll just start crying in the middle of a meeting. Look. We need to recognize and understand we got to get the real picture of a real man. Jesus is the picture of a real man. Anybody else is coming up short. Amen? we got to get that picture in our head. The American picture is messed up. By the way, the Russian picture is messed up too, just so you don't think I'm playing favorites. All right? So it's important for us to recognize. A gentleman has great power. In fact, if you look at your scriptures in Psalms 18, it says gentleness is a very powerful spiritual tool that can crush the devil. Just sharing that. That's the end of my soapbox. Moving on. Personality type. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. For this reason, Paul says, I remind you. You should be in 2 Timothy uh, and chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Paul says here, he says, uh, for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He had a very powerful gift to serve God and he was kind of not really investing it, it sounds like. But then read on, verse seven, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity. That word can be translated cowardice. Cowardice. Does anybody know what the book of Revelation says in chapter 21 and, and verse 8? Cowards aren't getting into heaven. That's what it says. It says here, for God has not given us, for is the Greek word because, because God has not given us a spirit of timidity. He seems to have backed off in using his gift because he's a little bit scared, a little bit fearful. It says here, For God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, because of what I just said, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Is it possible that you don't want to be 
associated with the Apostle Paul, especially when he's in a Roman prison on death row, and Nero, the emperor, has gone crazy, and he's killing Christians by sliding them and saying that they started the fires in Rome. So he's hunting Christians down, and he's going to put to death one of their ringleaders. Would you want to go visit the Apostle Paul? This letter's being written from that prison at that time. He's on death row. He knows his hour has come. He says, do not be ashamed. Do not back away from the word. Basically, what he was saying is, grow a backbone, man. Jesus was a gentle, compassionate, merciful man. But man, I'm talking about a backbone of absolute rock-solid steel. Talk about the man of steel. Superman was nothing compared to Jesus. So he says to Timothy, you grow backbone, man. You step right into the lion's den, just like Daniel did. That's what he's actually saying to Timothy right there. So Timothy could have said, well, I'm just that way. I don't can't do it. Timothy did not. He stepped up and manned up. Now, look at what Paul says in verse 12. After saying that God's called me to be a preacher, he says, for this reason, because God has, God has called me to be a preacher, I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and have convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed, Timothy. He says, I'm a preacher too, and I'm not ashamed. I'm in prison. I'm on death row. I'm not ashamed of the gospel plan. I'm going to preach it till thy last breath. I'm an example. Follow me, he says, as I'm a follower of Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, he's saying that to Timothy personally. Look at verse, eight, or verse 16, uh, 17 and 18. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesimus, for he often refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me, and he found me. Look, here are two men that you know, by the way. Timothy works has been working with Onesimus. I am not ashamed of the gospel and I'm receiving persecution and I'm powering through until the last day for my reward. That's what Paul says in this second Timothy. And then he says, you know, Onesimus that you've been working with, he's not ashamed either. You're saying, wow, Timothy must have had kind of a shaky knees up to this point in time. Why would Paul write that to him? Why would he use the same phraseology? Look, I'm not ashamed. Onesimus is not ashamed. You don't be ashamed because you got the same spirit. And what we've done, you can do. You say, well, that's kind of cruel. Well, remember, Paul's the A-type personality. That's what he is, okay? The compassion bone probably wasn't in him very well. Timothy was that man. But you know what, brethren, no matter who you are, no matter what your strengths and weaknesses, we need to be courageous in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen on that one? We need to be courageous in Christ Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said? If you're ashamed of me on earth, I'll be ashamed of you when you show up into heaven. Now what he said? I don't know about you. I do not want to be a coward. I've been getting myself in trouble for a long time. It started way back in kindergarten. 
I'm serious. I defended a little girl and broke a guy's nose. I was in the principal's office and I got a spanking for defending a girl. I did follow my dad in that way. My dad used to do that. Somebody do something mean to a kid or a, a woman, and my dad would come unglued. That was good on my dad's part. Okay? Couldn't do that today. You'd be thrown in prison. That's another story. Physical limitations. I just don't feel very good. Well, take a look at Timothy chapter 2, verses, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23. The Apostle Paul realizes this guy's got some physical limitations. Look at what he says here. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Not only has he got stomach digestive issues, he's got other frequent ailments. I don't know about you, and I really don't know what the stomach ailments are, but there are some stomach ailments where I kind of have a tendency to want to stay local home. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but... You know, I don't usually have those problems very often, but I'll tell you what, I got a headache, I go Bible study. I got a stomachache, I go Bible study. I got a fever, sorry, I don't want to give you what I got. Are you okay with that? Most people are. All right? If you got a fever, thanks for telling me. I don't want to get a fever. Uh, that means a whole bunch of stuff. Now, let's turn to the challenges. You're saying, well, Timothy didn't really have any challenges. I mean, not like Paul. <laughs> okay. Let's turn to his calling. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this is Timothy's calling. And notice what Paul tells him here in this passage. And it's kind of like, a, this is coming your way. Okay, it's always nice to be warned. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, no matter how people like it or not. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Did you catch that? They're going to turn aside to myths, Timothy. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Endure hardship. People are not going to like it when you preach the truth, but you preach the truth when it's popular and when it's unpopular. So would you think we are in season or out of season for the word of God right now? No comment. Are we in season or out of season, you think, for the word of God, the truth, right now? In season. Well, it's in season for us, but it's out of season for a lot of other people. Okay? They always want to preach the word. Brethren, I would share with you that his calling, he was being set up so he understood exactly what was coming. Take a look uh, again at this passage of scripture, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, and 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And take a look at that passage of scripture there in regards to uh, verses 1 through 4. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace which is in Christ Jesus, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What does he say next? Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. Suffer hardship. Does he define hardship? He does not define hardship. But you can define hardship because he uses the same exact word when he talks about the hardships that he went through. Many sleepless nights, hungry, not because he was not only fasting, but hungry because he didn't have any money to buy food. He was in cold and exposure. Now look, those guys back then were tough dudes. They were. I don't know about you. I don't think I've gone without a, a day without a meal. When I fasted, I didn't suffer because my fast was longer than a day. I didn't, I've never suffered hunger. That doesn't mean I won't in the future. I've never suffered exposure. I've never been homeless. But that doesn't mean I won't be that way in the future. You know, we, we kind of go, well, everything's cool. Yeah, it is cool right now. Thank goodness. It's wonderful right now. Learn from somebody else's struggles so that you'll have the backbone when struggles come your way. That's what really he's trying to say here. You continue to be a good soldier. Anybody of you ever see the pictures of when we went into Iraq? Way, 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 way back when. When our, our tanks and our vehicles were screaming across the desert. This was not the first one. You know, the desert shield. This was desert storm. We went all the way into the city of Baghdad. And they were flying. And whenever they would stop, there wasn't any hotels. They dug holes in the ground. And they were sleeping in these holes in the ground. I saw pictures of it. Man, I'm telling you what. Do you know in the desert that it's super cold at night and it's super hot in the day? So, man, you're sweating like bullets during the day. And then at night, you're freezing like crazy. It's crazy what soldiers go through. I broke my nail. <laughs> I can't do any Bible studies now. Really? Come on, American Christian. Let's realize that we need to toughen up. Who knows what the future holds? Now, let's look at the next one. His calling in Christ, but his commission to service. What did Paul actually call him to do? Okay, are you ready? You better put on your crash helmet now. It gets brutal. Let's turn to 1 Timothy in chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I know this from personal experience. To Timothy, my true child, this is, and we're taking, uh, verse 3, excuse me, verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths, same word we just read a minute ago, and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But our goal, our charge, our commission is to instruct people that we need to have love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they, they do not understand either what they're saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. You're saying, well, that doesn't sound very hard. That doesn't sound very hard. Brethren, if you've ever been in a congregation before where there are people who are law-minded, Ken knows this painfully well, don't you, Ken? 
that everything that you do is wrong. Angie, that sweater, I'm sorry, that's not allowed in this church. That smile from that statement, that's not allowed either. You got it? Do you want to be disfellowshipped? What are you laughing at? That's not funny. That sweater is an anathema to God. Don't you get, what are you smiling about? Yours too. <laughs> you saying that would never happen. Do you remember it? Yes. It's happened here. Someone came charging down that aisle and wanted to punch me out. He thought better before he got up here. Not that I was going to punch him out. <laughs> so I'm kind of puny. So I took him out to dinner at a local Sherry's. He told me to step outside. So I stepped outside and took my glasses off. You're saying, you're dumb. No, I didn't want to get glass in my eyes. Come on, I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Okay. <laughs> Expensive glasses. I didn't have any insurance back then, so I... Right? So if I want to get my nose broken, at least the paramedics will fix my nose, maybe. I don't know. The neat thing was is that everybody in the restaurant was watching. And I said, well, we have an audience. He thought about it before he punched my lights out. I'm glad he thought about it because I didn't want to go to the hospital. You know what it was about? Doctrinal issues. Praying that God would kill me in private prayer sessions with people in the church because I was not a true evangelist. That's terrible. Timothy, the guy that has physical frailties. Timothy, the guy that is called to be courageous. Timothy, the guy that says, well, I can't do this because my dad wasn't what he needed to be. Paul sends him there. And the church at Ephesus was thriving. Paul established it. Timothy went and had to work on those law-minded people to make sure that they returned to the faith of Christ. Literally, that they would have love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Timothy had a job that I would not want to do. Wow. Timothy was sliced and diced in the back room of the churches in Ephesus. You're saying, it doesn't say that in the scriptures. Listen, that's exactly what was going on because that's how the law works. For those of you who experienced it, you know it's true. Brethren, I don't preach law. If you think I do, let's sit down and talk. Love is the great, powerful, motivational tool that God uses, not law. Well, law will get you to perform right now in front of people, but when you walk away, guess what? <laughs> the law's no longer here. I'm going to do whatever I want. It's the love of God that drives you to do the right thing, not law, not whips. And that's what Timothy was called to do, to go into that cesspool of men and women who are teaching law and 
Remember what Paul did? He started a fight in the, in, in, when he was in Jerusalem, nose to nose with Peter the apostle. He was ready to shut her down. Let's go right now. You're living by law. You're going to destroy the church, buddy. And he did it in front of everybody. You're saying, I thought you didn't want to get punched out. Well, Paul went to bat for the Lord, for faith, because he knew that law would kill. Paul sends Timothy into this church. He's going to get sliced and diced. He's going to cry every night. What was Paul thinking? Paul knew something about Timothy that I hope we'll learn. It doesn't matter your frailty or your weakness. Your strengths will always prevail. Take a look now, if you would, at the last one in regards to his challenges. Turn the page and his challenges and trials, this last one. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 and... uh, Verse, we got that one. 2 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 1. Take a look. Excuse me, did I say chapter 5, verse 1? Chapter 1 and verse 5, excuse me. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. And also, too, take a look, if you would, here in regards to that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 23. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm cutting a few of them out for time's sake. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 23. Take notice that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom, if he comes, I will see you. You're saying, well, that doesn't say anything. What does it mean Timothy was released? He was in prison. He was sliced and diced by the brethren who were law-minded, and he sliced and diced by the Roman government, just like the Apostle Paul. By the way, you know who traveled with Paul oftentimes in the history book of Acts when he was being beat up? Do you remember when Silas and Paul were thrown into prison? There were two people outside, Luke and Timothy. They got to see this happen to their two brothers, beaten mercilessly, publicly, and then thrown into prison. Now, Timothy, I'm glad Luke was there. Go back and look at the history. I'm not sure what Timothy would have done all by his lonesome. Luke was there. But Timothy signed up. He was powering through. Do not take any opportunity for an excuse. The spirit that's in you is a spirit of power, a spirit of self-discipline, and a spirit of love. Now, you know why Timothy was a man among men? Because he looked just like Jesus. In fact, to be honest with you, I really think Jesus, or Timothy grew up in many respects to be a man much more closely aligned with what Jesus was like. You're saying, I don't know if I believe that or not. Turn with me to Philippians in chapter 2. The close of this is proven character. And we're, we're almost out of time. His proven faith is amazing. His proven reputation is amazing. But look at his character. 
Philippians chapter 2. And many of you know this is my go-to passage on Timothy. Listen very carefully what Paul says here in verse 19. I hope, to, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit. Paul has literally hundreds of people that he's working with, preachers and churches all over the place, elders all over the place, and here's what he says about Timothy. He says, I have no one else of kindred spirit, of like spirit, who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Brother, I know a lot of people can do a lot of great things, but you know what? The heart has to be genuine. The heart has to be real. The heart has to be the heart of Christ. Timothy has a genuine heart. Everybody else, Paul says, not a kindred spirit. Everybody else doesn't measure up to Timothy. That's what this is saying. Timothy is a man among men. You know, the guy that had a bad start because his dad was a Greek and the house was divided, so much so that he wasn't even circumcised, even though his mom and grandma were, were of Jewish background and were faithful in the church because he was sickly, because he was cowardice. He still stood up. He grew up. He manned up. He became like Jesus after the Apollo got his head cut off in Rome. That's powerful. I want to be like Timothy when I grow up. A man who could cry when people, when they loved people and they were hurting. A man who had compassion, knowing what people's needs were and stepping up and helping. I'm not there yet. Maybe you're going, yeah, I know. you got a long ways to go. I'm not there yet, but I want to be there. I want to have that heart. Notice it goes on and says, for they all seek after their own interest. Everybody else has got an agenda, a reason for why they're doing what they're doing. Not those of Christ Jesus, but you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. Now, I want to close with this. Remember Noah? Remember Job? Remember the Apostle Paul? How could they endure? Because they were men of what? Men of impeccable character. Men who were completely devoted to God and not themselves. Timothy is a man among men. I wanted to save this until the end because we can look at all the excuses of why he couldn't be an amazing man. Really, the gold standard for a Christian. By the way, I picked Timothy for a reason. Well, you take a look at Job. Wow, he was an amazing man. He was wealthy. He had trusted God. You take a look at Noah, obviously a God, a man walking with God. You look at Jesus, you look at Paul. Those are big names. What about someone like you and me that has all these frailties in the world? What about you and me? We can be living the gold standard that we see here in Timothy. No excuses. I'll tell you what. The crush is going to come sooner or later. The Bible says at the end, the church is encircled by the armies of the world. 
And if you look very carefully at the details in Revelation, I know we don't like to go there, it's going to get really rough. I have to grow. And you're saying, well, I've known this already. I have to grow a backbone. I've had it so easy. I have. I've had it so easy. Now's the time. When you have struggles or trials, don't even begin to think, man, woe is me. They're nothing in comparison to what these folks went through. So it's important for us to have the right focus. When we have a bad day, rejoice in it because God's using you in the day that he planned for you. And so you can go, you know what? God wants me to grow and learn something something from this. Have that mindset. As was in Paul, as was in, in Jesus, as was in Job, as was in Noah, so it shall be in you and I. If we will walk by faith, a sincere faith. I didn't get to all the scriptures, and I hope that you, if you don't have one of these, I have extra ones. If you want one, Jake's got a whole bunch back there. I made some extras. Go back and look through all the scriptures. Timothy really is the gold standard for the common Christian man. Oh, I'm going to bring up an, an extraordinary, uncommon Jewish woman next week and an amazing, fantastic, over-the-top Christian woman the following week. They persevered in times of horrific trials. Pretty exciting. So that's where we're going to go in the next couple of weeks. Let's pray. Lord, I would ask in your son's name, Jesus, that... Uh, we would not go with the cultural norm that the, the things don't go right. It's your fault or somebody else's fault. I pray that we would man up or woman up as the case may be and realize that you're allowing us to go through those struggles so that we'll learn how to be a better Christian, stronger and more faithful. I pray that you would help me get that mindset. I pray that you'd help us get that mindset so that we can serve you with great strength of character, courageous, seeking the help of brethren who can help us where we're weak, so as one body we are strong. I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's stand up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right. Let's go have a great week. Serve the Lord. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.